This week, we discuss an issue Rick is having where one of his customers' expectations were not met and what he can do to deal with it. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up, Rick? Do you want the good news or the bad news? Uh, I guess the good news. What's the good news here? The, well, the good news, let's see. Let me uh, move that to the top. I thought you'd say the bad news. Um, the good news is uh, my personal newsletter crossed 200 subscribers. And oh, I'm now averaging awesome. uh, greater than one new subscriber per day in May. Wow. that's. I know we just talked about this recently, but that's like so awesome. Given that you're not really like focusing on growth with it, right? You're just kind of writing and waiting for people to show up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I did, the major change I made during our last update on this was I went through and changed the call to actions and uh, the forms um, and I implemented some of the new convert kit features and uh, on-site conversions going up like crazy. So my traffic hasn't changed. It's just I'm converting more people on that existing traffic, which That's very cool. is a win. I th- I think I asked you last time if you knew like what kind of traffic you were getting, and I think you didn't. Do you know that now? Yes, uh, not off the top of my head, but I can give some high level. It's primarily organic search traffic, uh, some social media traffic, but I mean, and and then I guess the other big source of traffic is people that click on my newsletter uh, mm-hmm. links. Um, but yeah, by far and away, organic search traffic, and uh, mostly people searching for. Um, a few articles that I've that that are that are popular. For example, if you type in Mormon non Mormon or mm. dating a Mormon, you'll find my article about being in a relationship with a Mormon. Um, and uh, you know, but mostly like my biggest source of traffic are people searching for notes on TED Talks, notes on books, notes on content that I've taken notes on. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm definitely not there yet. Where I get like maybe one newsletter sign up a week, and I think half of them are people who already know me. So, yeah, you're you're setting an example. I want to follow. <laughs> well, two years later, you have this to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a subscriber a day. Uh, but uh, one thing that I'm still experiencing, even after my optimizations, is I have a double opt-in newsletter. Meaning, someone comes to the site, they put their email address in. Um, they put their name in and they hit submit. They're not actually subscribed until they uh, get an email and click the link to confirm their email. And I'm, you know, I've optimized like the the text that says, "Hey, you're almost, you're not done yet," you know. Mm-hmm. And then the email goes through. But I'm still having like a thirty percent unconfirmed, like of the unconfirmed subscribers that all of all subscribers who submit the form, thirty percent never confirm their email address, which seems really really high. That's so weird. It's it's similar to most SaaS founders uh, I hear talk about this. Someone signs up for your free trial, and there's normally multiple steps. Like they they see your homepage, they click to your sign up page, they fill out a form, they click submit, and then thirty to fifty percent of those people do not press a single button ever again. They don't click a link, they don't watch a video. It's like you went through all the trouble of filling out this form, and then you immediately bailed. What happened there? So you have no explanation. <laughs> no, I, I guess I would just say like, I don't know the benchmarks, but 30% doesn't sound like necessarily worse than what you'd expect. 
Okay. Well, it's like looking at it, it's like, okay, I'm at a, a subscriber a day. I get greedy. I'm like, if I could get that 30% to 10%, I'd be at 1.2 subscribers a day, you know, yeah, yeah. without doing anything different. And so I guess it's just part of the the thing. I'm, I'm just, I let them build up and then I delete them. Mm-hmm. So it's frustrating. That's smart. Um, I wonder how many of them just aren't even getting the confirmation email, like if they're getting caught by spam or something like that. I can click in and it's not hundred percent accurate, but I can see whether or not they open the email. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them have opened the email and then didn't click. That's so weird. Yeah. They, I think, I think it's correlated with like inversely correlated with tech savviness. So the less tech savvy people don't like fully comprehend the click the link thing. Yeah. It's too bad. You can't send them another email. Like, through ConvertKit. Through ConvertKit, which I get like at that point, you're kind of spamming them because it's like, yeah. well, they had the opportunity to opt in and they didn't. So probably you shouldn't email them again. But it's almost like, can we send you a few reminders? Because you you clearly had intent here. It would be nice to be able to say like, hey, can can you resend the confirmation email? Like just like yeah. click, like sort of like when you, when you go into Amazon and you send someone a gift card, if they don't get the gift card, you can go into Amazon and say resend the gift card. And they, they cap how many times you can do that. But like... Mm-hmm. You know, people like if someone emailed me said I tried to subscribe to your newsletter, but I'm not getting it. It's like I can't even resend them. I have to say go, let me delete you, and then go subscribe again. Yeah, I guess another possibility is that is that they actually were not were not real signups. Like that someone's got some kind of spam list. They go, I don't know what reason they would have for doing this, but and then the the, the email gets sent to the real person, and they're like, I don't know what this is. I've had one of those, and this guy was like. I was like, I'm happy to unsubscribe you. He's like, yeah, will you tell, like, is there anything else to help you? He's like, figure out whoever's using my email address and tell them to stop subscribing. (laughs) (laughs) It was like clearly a guy with like a very common name at gmail.com. And someone who's just like probably like using his email over and over again. There's so many scams out there. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah. So that's the good news. Um, I guess the other good news is uh, I posted a, uh, Indie Hackers milestone update for start to last. Um, I've embedded it in the Notion thing. You should be able to like pull up the mm-hmm. card and see it. Um, but it's kind of cool. Like you see the. Uh, if you want to see this, go to Indie Hackers, find start to last um, on the on my milestone. We've also tweeted it. Um, but we have a chart of the listeners by month, and you can kind of see a nice little growth chart from zero downloads in June 2019. To uh, almost, we're almost at three. Uh, what twenty? Just over twenty five hundred downloads a month um, in April twenty twenty one. Total downloads uh, so far over twenty thousand. That means like that's pretty cool. That's wild. Yeah, I saw recently. If you wanted to do advertising, it's like I think you can get something like twenty five dollars per thousand downloads. Really? Yeah. Uh, so we could cover. It, our it depends wildly, obviously. Like per episode. Um, I, the impression I got was that they just do CPM, which is like cost per thousand impressions and a download's considered an impression. Ah, uh, okay. It, it depends on, of course, who your audience is and stuff like that. I, I personally don't think it's worth it, but just if anyone like out there is listening and curious, like what, what's it worth? Something like that, apparently. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, we don't have any plans to do ads, but, uh, it definitely, um, feels good to grow. Uh, I think the other big number that, that I was looking at was, uh, Transistor, which is our hosting service for the podcast. Um, when we last did an update, it was, it was eight months ago. We had 72 subscribers according to their estimate. Um, we're now at 212 subscribers as of today. Um, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Thanks for putting that update together. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, the other thing that I found interesting from the milestone was our top three episodes changed. It seems like every time I look at this, uh, it's, it's kind of reordered, but, uh, and it seems to have a bias towards the most recent episodes because our listeners have grown and people yeah. generally don't look, go back in time and listen to stuff. But I, it was interesting that the future of no code is the number one episode. Yeah, that's, I, I kind of, I've said this before. I suspect the title just matters so much. Like, I don't know how you listen to podcasts, but what I do, someone recommends a podcast. I go look at it and I scroll through maybe the last like 10 or 15 episodes. I don't want to go too far back. And I'm just like, which title sounds interesting? And then I listen to it. Uh, I wonder how much it's like a sign that that episode is good versus just a sign that the title draws people in. Yeah, that's fair enough. Because we actually got our first like semi hater about that episode too. Yeah, because we only spent like <laughs> three minutes talking. It sucks when we have when we have like a million topics and we don't spend much time on any of them. It's like no matter what I title this, it's going to seem like a bait and switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the nature of this podcast. Um, yeah, any any of your big reflections for you right now about the podcast before I move on from this topic? Uh, just that. I I was talking about this with my wife earlier today and just like how easy it is. And I don't mean that in like a, I don't value it type of way, but just like it took a while to figure out to get our rhythm and stuff like that. But if I have like, let's say 10 or 20 hours worth of calls with people in a week, this is the lowest stress. One of them, mm. uh, which I just love, like it's once you get it going, it's so easy. So if anyone out there is like thinking about doing a podcast, once you get it on cruise control, I just think it's such an easy way to like put content out. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah, it, it definitely is. It, despite being on rec- recording, like you know, mm-hmm. live or whatever the word is, uh, it doesn't feel stressful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't take time as much time to produce. So yeah, cool. That's a good point. All okay, right. I have one How more piece the, of good news. Oh, you got more good. Okay. And then I'm going to turn it over to you and I'll save the bad news for for, for last. Uh, um, but I did start the West Boss. Is it Boss or Boss? I think it's Boss. Boss, uh, his JavaScript, beginner JavaScript course. Um, really, really good. It's um, I, I'm probably 20%, 15, 20% through the course. Um, and I already understand callback functions, closures, things that were totally when I would watch a random YouTube video confusing the heck out of me and, um, and we're not even into the exercises yet. So the guy is a really good teacher. Hmm. Um, and so thank you for that recommendation. There's actually a couple of people who recommended this. You were the first person, um, really, really good. Highly recommended. If you're considering learning JavaScript, you do need to know some HTML and CSS before you go into that course. But, uh, if you're if you're thinking like, hey, I want to brush, I want to get good at JavaScript. I've so far so, I, you know, I I've already got my money's worth in my opinion. Yeah, that's cool. That's good to hear. So I've never actually done one of West Boss's courses, but I've purchased a number of team licenses. So like my approach here is, I have so he's got a bunch of courses. You said you need to know HTML and CSS. He already he has a different course on that. So if you don't know it, he has mm-hmm. you're doing beginner JavaScript. He has an advanced JavaScript. He has one on React and other stuff like that. So whenever we have a like new person join the team who doesn't know our tech stack yet, I just kind of, you know, I spend a 500 bucks or whatever on all these team licenses. And then I just like send them uh, a license to, to go through the course. And I don't know how effective it is versus alternatives, but like, it's a pretty easy way to level someone up without like me having to do any work. It's, it's the most effective code 
learning that I've done so far. It's much more effective than reading a book. It's much more effective than reading like siloed, watching siloed YouTube videos mm-hmm. um, or working on a project and, and sort of your, and sort of figuring it out on your own. Um, I'll be very interested where I am in two, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Give us an update. Cause What's interesting, it's, it sounds like you started, like, you installed Node or something on your computer. So you're doing, like, back-end JavaScript and front-end JavaScript. Is that right? We uh, The primary reason to install Node was just to, as part of the overview, to understand, like, hey, there's pl- different places you can ru- run okay. JavaScript. One is in the browser. One is actually in the terminal, like, when you, you know, if you have Node installed. So we did that. And then he also we also used Node to install um, modules and packages, uh, which I actually ran into some issues with that I haven't resolved yet, but um, that that was that was the purpose. Okay. We haven't really gotten into Node. That's toward I think that's the last module actually is doing it some backend scripting. Gotcha. Cool. Well, I'm yeah. glad to hear it's working. Thank you. Yeah. So progress. Uh, that's all my good news for today. Um, I will. Tur- <laughs> What's up with you? Yeah, I don't have a ton of updates. I am on vacation right now, so I'm coming to you from my wife's childhood bedroom uh <laughs> try, tried to make a makeshift studio here um so yeah it looks most, like it's no longer a childhood bedroom it looks more like a exercise room yeah there's a treadmill behind me they're, they're in the process of moving out uh her mom and stepdad are moving to vegas so oh, uh, nice. this is kind of this is probably the last time we'll ever be in this house which is weird <laughs> is uh is it sentimental for shelly this is Calabasas, which is a part of Los Angeles. And for people who don't know it, it's like where keeping up with the Kardashians is. And like every time Justin Bieber has gotten into trouble, it's been in Calabasas. Uh, this is like in many ways a soul sucking hellhole. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. Like the weather's beautiful, the food's amazing. There's stuff to like here, but it is like the def- definition of generic suburbia. So we, neither of us particularly like it here. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, and they're trading that for Las Vegas. Yes, it'll be the the same thing there. But I, I really enjoy my trips here. But like the idea of like living here sounds yeah, kind, of, yeah. kind of rough. <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, it's you know I would hardly call you know visiting the in laws vacation. But uh, sounds like you guys have a great relationship. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, there's not drama or anything, which is nice. But uh, that is a blessing. Oh, I know. We're we're well. My my family has zero drama, and hers her immediate family doesn't. But like extended has a little, and I'm just watching. Like I'm at a zoo. Like, whoa! They're actually arguing over Thanksgiving dinner. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> I heard about this. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> no, that's actually normal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm mostly taking it easy. The only work I'm doing is I, I kind of timed stuff poorly. I started doing this recruiting outreach like a week before leaving. And I didn't piece together that like people don't respond immediately. So I kind of am getting res- like I've been doing LinkedIn outreach and I'm getting responses. So I'm, I'm keeping up with that because I don't want someone's first impression of me to be like, I reach out to them and then I say, sorry, I'm on vacation. I'll get back to you in two That's weeks. That's the worst. <laughs> uh, but aside from that, I'm not. Hey, really would working. you like to get together for coffee next week? Oh, no, never mind. I'm too busy. Yeah. It's like, exactly. what? <laughs> you asked me. Yep. Um, but no, otherwise I'm just kind of decompressing and I, I'm realizing I kind of needed this. Like I haven't really taken a long vacation since before the pandemic. Um, I've kind of taken a few days here or there, but I, I guess the analogy I'd make is if you think of a battery, like every day you work, even if you're working on something you like, your battery discharges a little bit and then you have a weekend or whatever and it recharges. I, I think I'd been like steady state. I wasn't, it wasn't like unsustainable, but I was not 
you'd rather be steady state at fully charged rather than steady state at like half charge. And that's what mm. I think I was at. Yep. Now you you're getting a full charge now. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't Although really you have... did say you're in soul sucking Calabasas, so maybe we'll get a full charge. D- did you see the show Weeds back in the day? No. Uh, it's it's like making fun of California and suburbia, and it was filmed like right next to where I am right now. And every time I walk around, I just think of the theme song. It's making fun of little houses on the hillside. <laughs> anyway, anyone <laughs> yeah, who's seen that it. show, that's where I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Uh, it sounds like it's time consuming, though. Uh Sorry, what's t- the job? The job talking to job applicants. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it is. Well, we're going small here. I have five people in the pipeline right now, so it's like per person, per, pretty time consuming. Like, have you ever done recruiting on LinkedIn before? Not really. No. Um, there's like kind of at least two modes. One, you post a job listing and people just apply, and I don't, I don't get the impression that's any different from any other job board, like Indeed.com or whatever. But what I'm doing is you can pay for this like upgraded recruiter account where you can search, you get more powerful search and you get these end messages. So you have to like go pick through people and figure out who to reach out to. And then you have to personalize. It's really sales, right? It's like personalizing the message. And like, I've never done sales, but I'm learning good sales takes time. You you don't just like blast off the same message to 50 people at once. Yep. That's so, interesting. Yeah. yeah. All the things that we talk about with cold outreach seem to apply with recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. So. What else? Uh, all just because to delay you giving your bad news. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you see that Notion um, opened up the beta for their API? Yes, I. I guess I'm. I guess this has been one of those. I feel like this is one of those things that they delayed so that they could make it into a launch. When it's Ugh, like, yeah, this should have existed it the a whole long time. time. Yeah, yeah. I guess what what is the why is this a big deal? So I think long term. Notion wants to be kind of the like system of record of a lot of stuff at, at your company. Uh, it's it's the wiki, it's your personal notes, it's like p- project management, it's all kinds of stuff potentially. But it's really hard to do that with like there are zero integrations. And well, I'll, let me give you for me the use case I'm looking forward to that I just can't believe they don't support natively is they have these tables sort of like an Airtable. But there's no form system for getting data into the tables. So we have all these processes at Lesson Learning CRM where it's like, okay, if there's a bug, report it, it gets added to this Kanban board, and then you can, like, the developers will handle it from there. But the system is like, rather than go fill out this form to report it, it's like, open up the Kanban board, create a new card, make sure to use the correct template. There's just so much room for data entry errors. And so I assume with this API, some form building system will give me the ability to say, here's the form to report a bug, go for it. And we have probably 10 or 15 of these different workflows across the company that just need a form. I imagine oh. there's a lot of other stuff too. Oh, interesting. I'm thinking of like a use case where you could have all of your employee information that would normally go into a third-party HRIS, which is human resource information system, like a, a Gusto or QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of doing that, you could put it in Notion and then you could pay for a service to sort of extend the Notion database into a more of a you know full fledged HRIS. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. I think there will be a lot of use and and just Zapier integration in general. Like I don't people will do cool stuff with it. I, I don't know specifically, but I think it'll be nice. Yeah, there's sort of two use cases here. One, you know, one is you have a Notion account and you want it to do more for you, and then there's build a business on top of Notion that uh, takes turns Notion into a niche service. 
Yes. Yeah. I think there should be a huge ecosystem around mm-hmm. Notion. And there are a few of these, like um, one of the podcasts I listen to, I think it's Product Journey where- Potion. Potion, yeah. Yeah. Where it's you, you build a website with Notion as the CMS, but the problem is they like have to manually scrape the, the Notion pages because there's no official API. So stuff Not like anymore. that- well, yeah, I, I think there will be t- tons of new businesses built on top of Notion after this. Very cool. Although, very cool. although I would be very cautious about that because Notion strikes me as a type of company that is the the, the ecosystem is secondary to the, like the core product, and I bet they're going to end up putting a lot of their ecosystem partners out of business in the future. Yeah, you need to pick something that's like the least likely space for them to enter. Like it's got to be so hard for them. It's got to be so niche that entering it would ruin the product for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Like an industry niche or something yeah. like that would yes. probably be good. So, um, all right. That's everything on my list. Cool. Back Thanks for bringing up notion. I, I hadn't, that hadn't clicked for me and talking about it made me realize, Oh, I, there's probably an opportunity for like a belt there. Yeah. Yeah. I bet there is. Um, all right. So bad news. Uh, I'll start with my personal bad news. I totally wrecked my ankle playing basketball this week. Grade three sprain. And if you're not familiar with ankle sprains, um, basically I tore my ligament and it's going to take like eight weeks to heal. It's completely black and swollen. I can't even, I couldn't even walk. Um, but like, man, it's like mentally, there's a physical pain that lasts maybe 24, 36 hours. And then you're like, okay, now I can't move. And that's like a mental challenge. And so I'm trying really hard not to let it affect me. Um, but I had to take a day off from work and, yeah. um, I had, you know, it totally has messed up my sleep and exercise routines. So sucks. I'm sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah. I've got to like, if, if, it, if, yeah, it, I guess I'm looking for exercise suggestions that don't involve a foot. Can I, can I suggest swimming? Yeah. I, that's a great idea. I need to get in the swimming pool. Yeah. This is my, my childhood sports were, were all water-based and a, no one ever gets injured cause it's so low impact, but it's a good thing to do when you are injured. Unless you injure your groin. That's the only thing yeah. I've injured in the water is like, <laughs> I remember whip kicking when I was in on the swim team and one, one day I hit, I totally triggered that groin and I was like, Oh, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. You can still flutter kick. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, do you think that would be hard on your, you, you could just swim without kicking. I would, easily, I would just, I would tie up my, my ankles onto a floaty and, yeah. and just do yeah. arms. Well, that's a good idea. I need to get in the pool. That sucks. Cause I know like that would be, it would be bad for anybody to sprain their ankle that severely. But like, if it happened to me, I'd be like, ah, that's too bad. But like, I don't exercise is not a core part of my mental health. I don't think, but like you need to exercise more than most people. I feel like I do. I do. It's a big part of what makes me not go crazy. So uh, that's my personal bad news. And then like the very next day I got an email from a client and I, I'm going to kind of de- like kind of make this a bit broader, but basically I'm not going to go into specifics just to avoid yeah. any issue, okay. but basically um, they bought a plan, didn't fully understand it and got a bill that they thought was going to be covered that wasn't. And it's large enough to where it's like, man, that's like really, really bad. Like that sucks. Um, and, uh, there's nothing to do retroactively. And anyway, it just made me realize like there, first of all, there's only so much leg up health can do number one to f- make clients understand what they're buying before yeah. they buy it. And then, but at the same time, like that is the, like, it's, it's amazing. Like no one, 
really values you taking time with them and slowing the sale down because they never actually, it prevents like the moment that would make them appreciate it because they never experienced the bad thing. And right. good isn't like good is the absent of bad. Um, and so, but, but man, like when someone experiences a bad thing, it like totally, you totally like lose their trust. And it's like the, the outcome is so damaging, but there isn't like a, a inverse version of the good thing. And it's like, man, this is a tough business. Yeah. So if you like could go back in time, is there any reasonable way this could have been avoided? Like aside from obviously with the knowledge you have now, you could have asked a specific question like, are you going to go get this medical procedure? But is there, would there have been a generic way that you could have had a conversation that would have exposed this before they signed up? This has to do with a supplemental policy. So it's not a, co- a major medical policy and it was a, pol- a type of policy that we weren't really focused on but it's available in the marketplace. At the time we were focused on, on health and we were like, yeah. you know, yes, there are other policies available in the marketplace. Happy to help you think through them. You know, if you ask that kind of thing in this particular case, like we need to like have, we need to apply sort of the same disclaimer process um, that we apply for marketplace policies to so the supplemental policy. So for example, let's take dental um, disclaim that like, listen, Dental policies typically have waiting periods, so don't expect it to cover you in the first six months. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. Di- you know, di- dental policies sometimes don't cover um, pediatric services the same way they cover adult. Make sure you understand the differences between you know dental and pediatric. The so example of what we do with this for major medical is, you know, a lot of marketplace plans don't cover out of network. Make sure your doctors are covered. Yeah, that one seems like obvious enough almost that it's worth it. But the problem we, I'm hearing a lot of parallels, like what you're talking about is way more high stakes than what I deal with. But we have this where there's a feature that works a certain way. And then like after someone uses it, it, it didn't work correctly. A really common one for us is importing. They, they have their file. They want to import all their data when they first sign up, they do the import and it didn't work properly. And everyone's initial feedback to us is like, well, why didn't you put a message at the beginning that told that answered this point of confusion? And the thing is, there's like 50 different ones. And if we put 50 messages, no one's going to read any of them. So what do you do, right? It sounds like the make sure that the your, your healthcare providers in your network is probably core enough that you can address that one. But like most of these potential things, if you tried to explain them all, people would just their eyes would gloss over and they wouldn't listen to any of it. Yeah. So it's, I feel like it's one of those things where it's got to be there. And if someone's like, would you like our, our best practices and guidelines and coaching for dental click, you know, opt like opt into this and then it's there. And then if they chose not to opt into that and I can, and we can point and say, listen, that's why it was there. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, it's still not like, doesn't prevent the outcome, but at least we had it there. We can say we had it there. In this case, it's like, man, I didn't try to save you from yourself and I feel really, really crappy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing we've found pretty effective for this type of situation is just like have a checkbox that they have to check. Um, kind of like terms of service and yeah, we know nobody reads it, but like, and I'm not saying like a checkbox that links off to something else or even it could, but it could just be like, I acknowledge that there are things that could go wrong and that this document explains them. And then people still get mad at us. 
But they get mad at us and we're like, we literally warned you about this and you checked a box. Like what more could we possibly have done? Yeah, that's, I think there's two sides of this, right? One is like sort of saying like making sure that we tried to Mm -hmm. the best of our ability. I think like there's an opportunity here to improve and we will, will improve, but then there's like preventing the outcome. Right. And man, it's like, I don't, I think this is, this is going to happen some percentage of the time with clients. And it's like, how do you deal with it? Is it one of those things where you're like, sorry, we did the best we can. Or, or do you just like, is this, is it, and do you, how, how aggressive do you try to make it right? Um, can you make it right? Or is this like just a bad, you know, for every 10 clients, there's going to be a one-star review of someone saying, man, I got screwed. I kind of think probably for it, well, especially for you, because you're selling someone else's product. Like if you were the actual insurance provider, maybe there would be more you can do, but like there is an adversarial relationship between the insurer and the insuree uh, when some, when they actually file a claim, like the insurance company doesn't want to pay it if they don't have to and stuff like that. Uh, There's only so much you can do about that, I think. Yeah. So in this particular case, like now, okay, now that's happened, it's like, okay, well, what can we do? We can help you cancel the plan. We can help you switch plans. Um, but we can't help really retroactively. Like, right. Right. Like what can we do? Yeah, that sucks. Um, I guess the, maybe like the general lesson here for anyone is just, there will be mistakes. (laughs) Even whether it was your mistake or not, but like this will happen less and less as you get more experience because you'll you'll avoid the big ones, right? But yeah, it's like what's the root cause of this? Like, it's listen, like pe- people don't read the details of what they're buying; they don't understand their coverage. Do they value you over explaining thing, explaining the details to them during the sales process? No, they do not. They actually see it as a negative value. Yeah. So it's like this trade off between smooth onboarding and purchase process and protecting against an adverse outcome. Where's the balance? Um, man. Yeah. Anyway. But that's what growing a company is. is like, I yeah. guess like, again, you've got high stakes because it's literally people's like medical life. Like someone could potentially be bankrupt over this, which sucks. Mm-hmm. But every startup's even at least in a smaller way going to have the same thing where in the early days, there's, you know, there's some data loss or you know, something we've had a lot is people like lost their password and we didn't have a way for them to get back in their account. So they lost all their data. Just problems happen and then you get through them, which is not to minimize that it sucks right now, but this is the process, I think. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I, I do think we can improve from this. I want to, before we move off the topic, I want to know, is there any way to sort of, you know, this is one of those things where it's like the out negative outcome is really bad, but the inversion is asymmetric. Like yeah. it's like not nearly as good as it is bad. Is there a way to like message this preemptively and turn like we protect you from bad outcomes like this into something that is equivalently as good? Is there a messaging hack here or a service hack on the front end that we could yeah, Can, that's a good question. So I'm just spitballing here. The closest thing I think I've dealt with like this is DevOps, which is different people define it differently. But th- what we mean by that is like the infrastructure of our product. So of our eight engineers, six of them are like software engineers building the software and two of them are DevOps engineers keeping the site running. And it's the exact same thing. Like nobody knows that the DevOps people are doing anything until the site goes down. Um, 
we do try to like more internally than to customers, but I don't see why you couldn't do this to customers. Kind of like brag about what has been happening just to just to basically explain like for like you logged in every day this month and didn't notice anything. Let me explain what happened for that to be true, right? Like here's a bunch of stuff we shipped that you're never going to see. I wonder if there's some equivalent thing like that you could promote. Yeah, and maybe it's starting to like ask for like tell us when you get a surprise bill and we start tracking number of surprise bills and like clients with surprise bills is lower for us. Mm-hmm. We we help protect against surprise bills. Yeah, or I could see like reporting on how many conversations you had to like a preventative conversation being like we had, you know, 500 conversations with customers this month that like have the potential to avoid financial ruin, you know. Yeah, pre or maybe it's a pre-service coverage verification a service mm-hmm. like, you know, before you go get the service, verify what's covered and not covered and So what about this? What if you had what if you kept track of which customers have done it and haven't? And you like, basically, you can almost think of it like how vaccination, the percentage, it's like what percentage of the population is vaccinated. You could be, be like, which percentage of our customers actually took advantage of this protection? And then you could use that to guilt people into being like, have you not done it? <laughs> you you yeah. know, get vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. And that's one thing that I pointed out with this particular client. It's like, this doesn't help make you feel better or help at all right now. But next, like before you get service in the future, like use and abuse our service to like verify that to avoid this um, yeah. situation. Um, but it's not like you're going to say no to the medical service. If you need the medical service, you know, it's like, it's one of those things, but at least you're not surprised. It avoids a surprise. Right. That's the thing that is so raw about this. It's like you, you, you get, you are surprised and you can't do anything about it. At least like if you know it's not covered and you make the decision to, to get the service anyway, then you know, you're making a, you know, a, a, a full, a fully aware decision. Yeah. When you talk to people from other countries where they don't have like such a dysfunctional healthcare system, partially they're like, I can't believe you can become bankrupt because of a, a medical issue. But partially they're just like, I can't believe you don't know what's going to happen. Like you're going to go to the doctor and find out later, is it free or is it $15,000? You just have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Um, gosh. I, and, 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 you know, or you go to a doctor and you do know the cost, but then you find out that doctor's not in the network. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, I thought it was going to be, that's a whole nother surprise. Well, or you go in to get surgery and it turns out the anesthesiologist is from a different, like yes. you're, you're at the right hospital, but they brought in a, one person from a different network. Oh, the whole thing's a nightmare, but okay. So we've yeah. talked before about how your business model is so, has so many cool advantages. Like the fact that customers don't have to pay you any money for you to make pretty good money and things like that. To me, this feels like the flip. The, the other side of that is like, this is the the thing that makes your industry hard. At the same time, hard things are how you build moats. So if you can like slowly chip away at this, that could be really big. I don't believe that the competition is doing anything special or out of the ordinary to try to address this particular issue. Yeah. In fact, I think they're just pretending it doesn't exist, kind of head in the sand, and probably possibly even exacerbating the problem. Um. So this does feel like an opportunity to differentiate um, and maybe give people more of a reason to go with leg up health over going out on their own um, or with another agent. Yeah. So I'm going to, th- I'm going to do on this uh, some more, but man, it really feel it really like total gut punch. Yeah. That sucks. I, whether it's an employee, a customer or whatever, when, when someone's mad at you, it just, 
I, I know the feeling where you're sitting there like, is any of this worth it? Like, why don't I go work for someone else? And it'll be their problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Well, well, sorry about all uh, the bad news. Thank you. So, um, I do have an interesting tool, um, that I just wanted to see if you understood, had seen, have you heard of scribe how? I looked at it a little bit, um, based on you putting it here, but wh- why don't you explain what it is? Well, it, to me, it's like, I, I feel like this is, is truly like the next iteration of AI and machine learning, but I don't really fully understand it. So, uh, my understanding is that this thing, you basically give it a, a website or uh, you have it track what you uh, like a user flow, and then it actually builds a help document, a walkthrough based on what you showed it, the tool on your browser, which basically, I mean, for uh, a software company trying to build out help articles and help people figure out how to do things, cuts the cost of creating help article content to near zero. And uh, I, I don't know, I seemed like that, I guess I was less interested in this particular use case, but more interested in how this might be indicative of the future of how like you go do something. Uh, it's sort of like dictating on a, on a, you know, back in the day, my dad had a, a he used to carry a dictator, dictaphone, I think it was, what it was called, like put these little cassette tapes in and he's a lawyer. He'd, you know, speak into it. And then his secretary would uh, transcribe the his notes into, uh, I guess, documents of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like the next iteration of that where you're like showing the computer what you want the user to do and having the computer write the help article for you. And I, I don't know, it like just got me excited and I wanted to see if you it, what you thought about it. Well, does it actually write the article? Or I feel like it just kind of generates a video of what you're doing. So like rather than having to use Camtasia or Loom or something, uh, uh, it just kind of like records your screen in a different way. Am I my, missing something? My understanding was it it record it does your screen and then turns your screen into a help article with screenshots and steps. Oh, okay. Like if you go click on um, the gallery on the scribehow.com website and then click on one, it says like, one, start by creating an event in Google Calendar. Name oh. two, name it. Um, and I just, Oh, okay. That's a lot. I did not get that from their homepage. That's a lot cooler than what I thought it was. And yeah, this isn't necessarily useful. Maybe it is useful for, for leg up health. Like I could show someone how to go buy a health insurance policy using our quoting tool. Yeah. But you're not selling software in the same way. Yeah. 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 But I, I could see that being really useful for us. I, uh, they've, they've already disqualified themselves. They committed one of the core sins of SaaS, in my opinion, which is their pricing page. They have a page called pricing and it doesn't have any pricing information on it, <laughs> but, uh, never you are on Tyler shit list. Yep, sure <laughs> I, I want to defend this as a heuristic for deciding what SaaS products to use though. A, a product doing that is sending a strong message that they're going to try to extract as much value out of the relationship as possible. I thought this about intercom years ago. I wanted to use them their pricing was really annoying. And now I feel so vindicated because like everyone agrees now that like they're a shitty company to deal with. Yep. <laughs> so Scribe looks very cool. I would never uh, consider using a company that uses dark patterns like that. <laughs> dark patterns? Oh yeah, that's a term. I'm not okay. making that up. <laughs> dark patterns like when you say unsubscribe to something and then like there's a button and you can't tell, does does the button unsubscribe me? Like if I check the box, is that unsubscribing or is that subscribing? I don't know. That's a that's an example of a dark pattern. 
<laughs> I hate it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, I guess, are you going to try to get anything done other than job applicants while you're on vacation or just using the time to sort of recharge and think? Yeah, mostly just recharge. The one thing I need to do, so I reached out to all these people uh, about the, the job. We don't actually know what the interview is going to be. I, we talked about this last week, like what it's going to be. And I have some good ideas, but I want to, by the time I get back to St. Louis, I want to have finalized what the interview will be so that my first day back, I can email everyone and be like, here's the process. Let's get started. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I like it. I like that. That would be good to come back with. But man, I based on you feeling like this is a good recharge for you, if you can, don't, don't yeah, do anything. Absolutely. And I, I've still got a full week. What is it? Thursday. Yeah, I've got a full week before I go back. So I, th- I think I got I've got like a half day of work to do over the next week, basically. That's great. Yeah. So, and and we're our schedule is changing next week. We're going to be releasing the podcast, recording and releasing the podcast. Excuse me, on Tuesday. Tuesday's going forward, right? So, for anyone listening, yeah, it'll be a short week, and then we'll do Tuesdays. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> have we have we gotten any more zip messages? Nope, just one. So next week is going to be a full episode devoted to responding to a uh, listener question, and then if anyone else wants to send any in. Go to zipmessage.com slash Tyler, and you can uh, send an audio recording of any topics you want us to discuss. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else you want to cover today? No, let's keep it short. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have a favor to ask. Please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See you.